So when we see the movies about ancient Rome and the soldiers, they all have on this whole suit of armor, right, and the helmets, and, and the helmets are there to protect them in battle, as well as every other piece. And today we're in week five of our series, Spiritual Boot Camp, and we're looking at how to wear the helmet of salvation as part of the armor of God. Besides being a pastor, I also am a skier. And for a while, uh, I was a ski instructor. Uh, Eric asked me earlier if this was me. I'd love to say that was. I used to ski more like that than I do now. I haven't skied for a couple of years. But uh, yeah, that's, that woman is wearing a helmet, as you can see. And, and when you wear a helmet, it protects your head while you're skiing. It spreads out the force of an impact. If you would fall or run into somebody or the gate, for instance, it protects you from sharper objects. Those gates are plastic that she's skiing around. You go as close as you can to the gate to make the best time. And so those can smack back and hit you in the head. So the helmet really does a really wonderful thing to protect you from that. And the core of the helmet on the inside, the core of the helmet has a padding there, has a a special kind of lining that helps absorb the energy of any impact you would have. And when you're skiing, you go really fast. Like, uh, as a good skier, you're going 30, 40 miles an hour down the hill. Uh, Racers are probably 40 to 60 miles an hour, and Olympians are like 75 to 85 miles an hour. This is really fast, and if you didn't have that helmet on, you could really injure your head if you fell. It protects your head in the event of any kind of uh, fall or running into anything. And when people fall who are not wearing a helmet, it can cause head injury or even death. If you remember back in uh, 2009, there was an actress named Natalie Richardson who fell on a beginner hill. And let me just tell you, beginner hills are almost flat. So she is taking a ski lesson and she fell and hit her head. So you don't have to be going really fast or, or whatever to hit your head and she passed away later from head injury falling on a beginner hill. So you want to wear that helmet. If you guys ski, make sure you're not going for fashion and looking great. The, the helmets, by the way, are pretty cool looking, don't you think? Yeah, so, I mean, wear the helmet. If, and same with bike, riding a bike or any other kind of sport, you want to protect your head. Okay, so a little, uh, little uh, public service announcement there for you all. <laughs> okay. So the next thing we're going to look at now is the helmet that the Roman soldiers wore. And they, that helmet protected, you see it protects their head. It also has little straps around the side that protect their cheeks and their ears. It has a little part in the back that protects the neck. And it protects their head and their neck from falling debris as well as from the enemy's weapons. And it was fashioned from bronze or iron. Uh, had those two hinged cheek pieces protecting the side of their face, and they would line their helmets as well, because can you imagine just bare metal on your head wouldn't be real comfortable? So they lined it with either sponge or felt, and that would also help absorb the impact uh, of any kind of uh, bump or uh, somebody hitting them with another weapon. So the head was a prime target in warfare. A direct hit on their head obviously would not be good. If you're out there fighting a battle and someone comes up and smacks you with a weapon, you're pretty much done for. So you want to make sure your helmet's on. And Paul said that we also need this important piece of spiritual armor. And so let's read about the helmet here in Ephesians. And since we've been reading in the NIV, I thought, let's look at the Phillips translation today. So uh, you can sure... 
follow along with me in your Bible in Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10. In conclusion, be strong, not in yourselves, but in the Lord, in the power of his boundless resource. Put on God's complete armor so that you can successfully resist all the devil's methods of attack. For our fight is not against any physical enemy, it is against organizations and powers that are spiritual. We are up against the unseen power that controls this dark world and spiritual agents from every, uh, from very, the very headquarters of evil. Therefore, you must wear the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist evil in its day of power. And even when you have fought to a standstill, you may still stand your ground. Take your stand then with truth as your belt, righteousness your breastplate, the gospel of peace firmly on your feet, salvation as your helmet, and in your hand the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. Above all, be sure you take faith as your shield, for it can quench every burning missile the enemy hurls at you. So in the book of Isaiah, there's a description of God actually having both this breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. Isaiah 59, 17 says, He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. So if God is wearing armor for battle... How important do you think it is for us to wear armor? If God says, I'm putting this armor on myself, we especially want to be wearing armor, the spiritual armor God provides for us so we're successful against the schemes of the enemy. In Ephesians 11, 6, 11, rather, it talks about the wiles and schemes of the devil. And the Greek here for wiles or schemes is methodia. And as you can tell, that, that's where we get the word method. And methods, so he has these methods, he has these cleverly crafty, devised methods, these, these things, deceitful things that he uses against us, and his weapons against us are, are crafted especially, the methods he uses against me and you are crafted especially to trip us individually up. And one of the main battles that we fight is in our minds. Because Satan wants to put thoughts in our minds that aren't of God, and he wants to put those thoughts in there to trip us up. And so there's things like fear or doubt, intimidation, lies about who we are. And these lies of the enemy are used by him to try to defeat us. He tries to trip us up and to kill, steal, and destroy the best that God has for us in our lives. So the helmet of salvation is there to protect us against those things. So what is salvation? Well, the meaning of salvation here is to be saved from or made whole by Jesus' death and resurrection, by his shed blood. And part of that, that reason that Jesus died was salvation, not just for our spiritual being, but for our whole being, body, mind, and spirit. So our minds, our wills, and our emotions can be redeemed as well. And the enemy wants to convince us that we are not who God says he, we are. He wants us to believe a lie. And so he sows those into the very core of our being. And he'll tell us we can't trust God. You know, because this didn't happen. You can't trust him. In fact, he'll try to convince us we can't even trust ourselves. Because why would we be able to then do what God has for us to do? 
So he sows those lies and he deceives us, wants us to believe his lies as if they were the truth, and sells us a counterfeit reality to try and draw us away from God. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And you know if he's blinding the mind of unbelievers, he is working to try and blind our minds as well. He's trying to steal away from us the things that God has from us, for us, the things of the glory of God for us and in our lives. And he'll try to blind us to receive those lies that he has that will give him power in our lives. Our actions and our behaviors all begin in our minds. They're all part of that process of thought. And if he can convince us to believe those lies, if he can convince us to take that counterfeit, then he tries to mess us up to follow God's will in our life and to follow God's voice. 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9 says, Be alert and of sober mind. And that sober mind means to be vigilant, to be vigilant, to be clear thinking. So he's, Paul is, or Peter is writing here, we need to be alert, we need to be vigilant, we need to have a sober mind because guess what? Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And he says, resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So he is picking on all of us, not just one or two of us, but the enemy is going after all of us all the time, and we have to be vigilant to resist him. We need to cover our minds with the salvation of Jesus Christ and put on that helmet of salvation. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, 9, it says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. That's that same word. We need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. We need to put on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through Christ Jesus our Lord. So what are the benefits of salvation? One of them is eternal life. In John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That eternal life begins at the moment of salvation. We have that relationship with God. And then another benefit is that we actually become new. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. We, have a, we become new. And then in Ephesians 1.13 and 14, it says that we receive an inheritance. And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So we have an inheritance, and part of that inheritance is the Holy Spirit is marking us with a seal for that to come. The, sec- the uh, fourth thing is uh, his purpose and grace in our lives. Second Timothy 1.9 says he saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So God, before he even created the world, before he created time, he determined that Jesus Christ would die and be raised from the dead for us so we would have salvation in him because of his purpose and grace. And we receive that purpose and grace when we have salvation.
Another thing we receive from salvation, another benefit is protection. John 10, 27 and 29 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. So we see that because of our relationship with God, because of our salvation, there's protection for us. There's spiritual victory that we can have when we are saved, when we come to follow Jesus Christ. And we don't actually have to listen to the enemy's voice, do we? Uh, he wants us to think we do, but we, we can know and hear the voice of the Good Shepherd for us and follow Jesus Christ, receive his salvation and grace, and we can say, I'm not having any of that other junk. I'm not having the lies of the enemy. Satan will always try to subvert what God is doing in our lives. There's a parable of the four soils, remember that, where the sower goes out and sows, and there are four different soils. But one of them shows that the devil is actively trying to steal the word of God from us. In Luke 8, 12, it says, those along the path are the ones who hear. And when the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. So it shows us in that verse that Satan is trying to steal that word of God out of our hearts. And he also tries to deceive. He tried to even deceive Jesus Christ, didn't he, in Luke 4? Twisting the word of God, trying to get Jesus to abandon what he had come to do. And he attacks our thinking and our perception and our decisions to try to entrap us and keep us in bondage. 2 Timothy 2.26 says, And they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. See, he tries to take us captive. He tries to sow those lies. He tries to deceive us because he wants us to do his will, not God's will. So he's sowing those lies about our identity, who we are, and our position in Jesus Christ, the authority that we have in him. And spiritual warfare is always a temptation in relation to how we view ourselves in our relationship with God. Spiritual warfare is always a temptation in relation to how we view ourselves and our relationship with God. And boy, you better believe that Satan is all over those two things trying to convince us of something that is not true. John 8.44 says, You belong to your father the devil and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So the devil is going to use not just a thing he has, but who he is. He's a liar. He's going to try and deceive you. He's going to try and sow that into your core of your being and convince you that you are weak, that you are powerless, that you should be fearful. He's going to try and convince you of things that are not the case because if you believe him, if you receive him, then he gets you to live like that. Jesus is the head of the church, and his blood shed on that cross is powerful for us. We need to receive that power in our lives, because when we become followers of Jesus Christ, when we receive, we receive what he did for us, we confess him as Lord and Savior, there's a freedom that we have as part of that salvation, that we can walk that out. We don't have to listen to those lies. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ 
who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. That's saying that the, the blood is so powerful, it cleanses our consciences from acts that lead to death. And part of that is believing the lie of the enemy. So we need to claim the power of that blood over our lives. So how do we win this battle of the mind? With that helmet of salvation and Jesus' death and resurrection, we can walk in victory. So how do we do that? Well, the first thing is we have to receive the work of the cross for us. In 1 John 1, 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So we need to take the uh, blood of Jesus and apply that to the areas that the enemy wants to rule in our lives. We need to claim that powerful, purifying blood of Jesus to those areas that Satan wants to rule, to cancel the effects of sin, to cancel the effects of Satan in our minds and in our hearts. So we need to receive that work for ourselves. The second thing we want to do is we want to ask God to renew our minds. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. These two verses are really crucial in us understanding how we can win this battle of our mind. It says, don't be conformed. And that word conform means that we don't want to be molded by the times that we live in. We don't want to let the values and opinions of this uh, faithless world around us to shape our thinking. It means don't be determined by the blueprint of the world. It must be God's word that's our standard. As we've talked about for several times now, it's the plumb line for our life. We hold that up against us, and that's our rule. That is the thing that determines who we are. Not what the world says, but who God says. Don't be conformed. Don't let Satan press you into his mold. Don't let him mess with your mind. And then it says, but be transformed. And the word here for transform is metamorpho. And you can tell that's metamorphosis, right? That's the, where that word comes from. And it means changed. And there's two parts to this word of metamorpho. Meta, which means to change after being with. And morpho, changing form in keeping with inner reality. I love that. Changed after being with. We're changed after being with Jesus Christ. We're changed after he is part of, of, of who we are, uh, his, his work in us. And the changing form and keeping with inner reality, there, there is something that God has placed within each one of us. There is a, a call on our lives. There is a, a thing he has given each of us to do. And we talked about it yesterday in the ID seminar. He's wired each one of us differently with gifts and talents and personality and passions. And, and he, as he changes us more into his image as he empowers us by the power of the Holy Spirit to live our lives to follow him that inner reality comes forth that's the sanctification as we walk out our faith daily it's the same word actually too metamorpho is the word that's translated in another part of scripture Matthew 17 and Mark 9 as transfigured 
when Jesus was transfigured before the disciples. Remember, he became dazzling white as he stood on the mountain with the three disciples he brought with him there and then appeared Elijah and uh, Moses with him. And as he stood there with them, he became dazzling white. His whole countenance changed. That's transfigured, but it's the same root word, transformed. So as we are changed more into the image of Christ, we are transfigured, we are transformed into the glory of God in our lives as well. I just think that's so cool. We can be transfigured, we can be changed, we become new creatures by the renewing of our minds, Paul said. He said, don't be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing is a process of making new, fresh, a complete change of our mind of how we view things because we're seeing things through the eyes of the Spirit. So why is that important? Why do we need to be changed? Why do we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds? Well, Paul tells us in this next part of verse 2, it's so we may test and approve the will of God for us. The Greek here, prove, means to examine and see what passes the test. And you know they test metal when they're making some metals. They test them. They determine the properties and the composition. And that's what it is. We're determining what is this property of God's will for me? What is it exactly that he has for me to do? And the only way we can do this is by having a renewed mind, according to Paul. And the way it's written in the NIV isn't as clear as in the Greek about the will. It says that we may examine, test, and see what passes the test of God's will. So we take our lives and we compare it to God's will for us. And we say, okay, does this pass the test? Is this in alignment with God's will for me? And so he's saying, not three different wills, but three aspects of God's will. That it's good that it's pleasing, and that it's perfect. And that Greek word here for perfect is teleos. And it means it's complete in all its parts, reaching the end goal, the aim. Actually, that word tel, or teleos, the root of that, is the root of the old telescopes that the pirates would use, the old ship people would use. And, and you know, it, it would unfold one stage at a time until it was finally functioning at full strength. And that's how God's will is for us. You know, we don't see it all at once, but as we trust and follow, it unfolds one stage at a time and finally helps us arrive at the full part of it, the goal of eternity with him and becoming more like Jesus Christ. So as we allow God's will and God's word to renew our minds, we can understand and follow what he has for us one step at a time. The goal of our salvation is not to make wounded, broken people good enough to work. But true healing, true transformation is God delivering us from the power of that broken place so it cannot rule over us and teaching us to trust his righteousness to shine in and through us in that very area that we have been wounded and broken. We become new. We need to give our mind to the Lord as it is renewed and as we are transformed. And we bring thoughts that are not in alignment with God's word to him. 2 Corinthians 10.5 said, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God 
and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. See, we need to give those things that we struggle with to Jesus, don't we? Lots of times when there's something that that we're dealing with, we sit and we kind of simmer in the stew of it. And we don't think about the fact that, you know, this might be a lie of the enemy. This might be his attacking. And I need to take these thoughts. And instead of living in this fear, instead of living in this anxiety, instead of dealing with this doubt, I need to take it and I need to surrender it to Jesus Christ. I need to give it to him and ask him to take care of this and to remove it off of my mind. I need to claim the power of the blood that Jesus shed for me to remove that attack from me. So when there's a thought that makes us feel belittled or unable or weak, we need to turn it over to Jesus Christ. And we need to pray and ask Jesus to take that thought and make it captive to him. Ask Jesus to replace the lies with his truth. Speak the word of God over yourself. Claim it. Ephesians 5 talks about how there's a washing of water of the word of God in our lives. So if you're dealing with stuff and Satan is messing with your mind, the the word of God is like that spiritual bath that washes all that stuff off each day. The third thing we need to do to win the battle is to daily ask for God's wisdom and direction. We need to replace the lies with God's wisdom and ask him to give us the mind of Christ. In 1938, France just wanted to live in peace. Remember, there had just been World War I, and they just had a few years had passed, and they wanted to live in peace. And so they ignored the fact that next to them was a country that was preparing for war. And Germany was increasing their military might. And the desire for peace that France had did not bring peace. Germany was able to take possession of France in a very short time. See, being ready for war doesn't cause war. It is our having possession of something that someone else wants. The devil, the enemy, has declared war on us. He wants our loyalty and our very souls. And he uses us as pawns in his war against anything good or godly. We're in a war. And we can't just fight a defensive war where we're waiting for attack and then trying to ward it off with prayer or fasting or or reading the Bible at that time. But the Bible says we need to mount an offensive attack against the enemy. These weapons of our warfare are also described in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. And I'm going to read this in the New King James. I just love how it says it. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds. Are you dealing with a stronghold? Put on the armor of God. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Whatever Satan's doing in your life, he's exalting himself against God. Claim victory in the fact that you have that salvation and you are wearing that helmet of salvation and the armor of God. God wants to transform our minds to his will, and once that occurs, we can gain his wisdom, God's wisdom, his voice speaking to us, our mind being renewed, and following God's will for us. See, Jesus 
can dismantle the plans that that enemy has for you and help you to walk in victory. Would you please stand as we close? Today, we can take a stand to have a renewed mind by wearing that helmet of salvation, but it begins with surrendering ourselves to Jesus Christ to not be conformed to the mold of the world, but to allow Jesus to transform us, to renew us, to apply the powerful blood of Jesus to our lives so we can walk free from any bondage. I'm going to ask you to just bow your head, close your eyes if you want. Uh, just, Just consider this. How many of you are struggling with this kind of battle, but you want to walk in victory? You want to walk in the authority that the cross has for you? And you want the benefits of that salvation. You want to be made whole, body, mind, and spirit. You want to be free from fear, from anxiety, from doubt, to receive the power of God in your life, to walk in freedom, transformed, transfigured by the renewing of your mind. And if that's you, I'm not going to ask you to come up here. I just want you to raise your hand, and I want to pray for you. If you're saying today, you know, I want to walk in that freedom, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Lord God, we thank you that your word claims that we can walk in that authority. We don't have to live in that fear that as the enemy brings those lies and tries to sow them into the core of who we are, as he tries to convince us we're something that he says we are instead of what you say we are, as he tries to get us to take that counterfeit on ourselves, Lord God, we don't want that. We want to take those thoughts and bring them captive to Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that today that you would just, by the power of your blood, just wash off all of that junk the enemy's trying to, to do to us, to mess with our minds, to not allow us to be renewed in our minds by the word of God and by time with you, Father. Lord God, we claim your protection of that helmet of salvation on our heads, that as we go in our walk following you, Lord God, that we would wear the whole armor of God, that, and part of that, that helmet of salvation, would protect our minds, protect our emotions. Lord God, keep us close to you. We want to walk in victory. And so, Lord God, we break any agreement, any fellowship, with any of the lies the enemy has spoken to us and tried to get us to receive, we say we aren't having any of that. We're submitting it to the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. And instead, Father, we receive all you have for us. Holy Spirit, touch us. Fill us up uh, from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. Empower us, equip us to walk this out in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.